Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Dave, a modern-day sage. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks for joining us. On the path, which is the name for our personal witchcraft practices, we have spent a great deal of time discussing what we believe and why. These conversations led to the writing of a book full of information about our tradition. We call these beliefs metaphysical kernels of thought because they are the start of much, much bigger ideas. We thought we would share some of these with you. So, today's metaphysical kernel of thought is aspects. The word aspect originally showed up in the writings of Margaret Murray, a 20th century anthropologist who was attempting to write about the reconstructing of a witch cult in Western Europe. The word is supposedly related to the old French sabacra, modern eba, meaning to frolic and amuse oneself or diversion. In modern practices, many associate the name with full moon rituals. The idea that witches gathered together to celebrate at this time of the month in the past is a romantic one and probably not reality. However, you can see where it might be practical to have as much natural light as possible if you are wandering through the woods to some supposed secret meeting place. Those of us on the path do use the word because we like the symmetry of Sabbat and Esbat. While Sabbats refer to specific dates of changing solar energies at the solstices and equinoxes, we use Esbat to refer to any ritual connected with the different phases of the moon and not just when it is full. We believe that you can have an Esbat at any time within the moon cycle and not limit yourself when working with its energy. For instance, if you are planning to work magic to draw something to you, an aspect during the wax, waxing moon might be a good idea. On the path, we also celebrate rituals at the time of the dark nights of the moon. First, we'll talk about the idea of an aspect, which, as you can tell, is, it comes from a French word and not something that's been around since before the dawn of time and is therefore super sacred. <laughs> right. I'm sorry if, if I, well, there are probably people who consider the 20th century ancient history, which is okay too. But the idea of calling a moon ritual something other than we're getting together to celebrate the full moon always the goes full moon. Yep. Always goes well. And we happened upon Esbat, it's been around a while, and it kind of almost alliterates with Sabbath. So you have Sabbaths and Esbats, depending on what you're talking about. Oh, my. Oh my, yes, exactly. And <laughs> that was from Susie, by the way, if anybody's curious. It was. She always liked when we rhymed things. Oh yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting the way that, that you guys um embraced the word asbets because the way that I had practiced in my own sort of solitary tradition is Sabbaths were solar or about the sun. And Esbats were lunar about the moon. Mm -hmm. But I actually sort of was restricting myself to either doing my magic on either the full moon 
or on the new moon, depending upon the kind of magic that I was doing. And then I would support that magic through either the waxing period or the waning period. Here again, depending upon the kind of magic that I'm doing. But um, when I read this part in the book, it, it sort of reminded me that there's no reason that I can't do an ASBAT on any given Tuesday just celebrating whatever state the moon is in at that time and trying to, you know, channel or connect with that particular phase of the moon's energy. So even my daily meditation can change now because I can make myself aware of what the moon phase is and what I've been doing is um, visualizing what direction the moon is, even if it's below the horizon. But it hadn't really occurred to me to do this on any given day. I sort of got caught up in the the asbats are the full moons and the new moons. So I, I love that you introduce, use the whole cycle of the moon as opposed to just two days of it. Exactly. And the idea is, too, you can then create magic all the time. You, you're not restricted to, okay, I missed the full moon, so now i got to be because which is which is completely silly and exactly what I have done for decades. Yeah, but lots of people get that because you come into this practice. Many times, if you're part of a group, they meet on the full moon. It's sure tradition. Everybody shows up. There's some sort of ritual involved. There may be magic involved. You're celebrating. Well, it's on most it's on most people's calendars, so it's easy to spot and plan for, even if you're a soccer mom. Exactly, and there's always that day before and day after, what you call a minus one and a plus one. So that if, you know, the group can't get together because the full moon is Tuesday and half of them are at the soccer game, you've always got a day or day in there. You know, and, and yeah, I've always been a big believer in the, the day means that day plus or minus one. Yeah, why not? Yep. It moon appears to be full if you look at it. Granted, if you're an astronomer, they know sure. it's not completely full or it stopped being completely full, but we're just outside looking at the moon, damn it, it's full. Right. You know, so we're going with what we can see, which is, I guess, practical on some basic level. But yeah, as I said, we, we, we got away from the idea that, like you said, to those days of months to celebrate the moon. And the, and, and the energy does change throughout the month. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was watching a couple of YouTube videos the other day that essentially just I was looking for three or four different I'm a very visual person, so I needed to see visual 3D or actually 4D because I needed the time and the motion, the calculus of it, to, to really understand again how the moon phases happen so that what what i'm ultimately trying to uh, teach myself to do is be able to point wherever the moon is and wherever the sun is regardless of the time at the time of day because me being aware of those two things is such a strong thing that connects me back to my my divine spark of the the divine well, we, we all have those 
Sue and I always used to call them touchstones. They're yep. the things that we do or things that we have that touches those reminders or in your case, an amplifier of your personal energy. And yep. created different ones over the years that we've used for various magical purposes or whatever. Like you said, you're very visual. I tend to be really tactile. And Sue was kind of a mixture of both. So she was happy. Oh, you found a, a rock that kind of matches the energy that we're playing with kind of thing. You know, or she would draw. And I could see the Well, and, and looking back over, oh, God, at least a decade's worth of you two doing ritual together. Yeah, you bring a, a, a funny rock that has a texture to it or something made of cloth or something. Yeah, you... I can see the the tactile influence that you had on Susie. Mm -hmm. And yes, so the we will not discuss her, that her handbag could have been considered a lethal weapon because she always had all the rocks in the bottom. <laughs> yes, and I have all the rocks now. <laughs> well, it's not a bad thing. Rocks can be fun. So orientation to relate to rocks. It's like I never understood how she could grow everything. Sure, absolutely. And, and I so, the best parts of practicing with somebody who compliments you. Sorry. Right. I? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Just wrapping back to topic because we're we're wandering a field here a little bit, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But no. um, my takeaway is Sabbaths are moments, and they are solar as bats. Are lunar and can be anytime, anywhere. And they're also continuous. That's yeah, that's what I'm saying. There there is there is never a time when the moon doesn't have a phase. Exactly. I like the way that yeah, I I'm gonna end on that. I think that's a good place to stop. There is never there's never a time that you can't use the moon for your magic. No, or just enjoy the moonlight. Well, yeah, there's that too. Exactly. Well, when you and I sat down to, to record this, we looked at it and said, it's a very short metaphysical kernel of thought. When we wrote our book, The Tradition of the Path, we created a number of separate topics. Some were longer and some were shorter and some are easier to kind of get through. The idea, though, is to consider each one as building blocks, I guess, for kind of how we see the world and how we practice. So we've decided... We'll go on to the next one because we've been doing one per episode tonight just to continue on. So we are going to stick in the second metaphysical kernel of thought for the night, which is the cycles of the moon. Just as there is increasing and decreasing solar energy throughout the year with the intersecting Sabbaths and cross-quarter times, so is there a corresponding monthly lunar cycle of the moon as it waxes and wanes. Although we have worked with solar energy to manifest longer-term magic, on the path we more often work with lunar energy for more immediate results. While many divide the phases of the moon into four parts, this is one where we actually work with a sacred five. Our five phases are the dark nights of the moon, the new moon, the waxing moon, the full moon, and the waning moon. Each has a distinct energy signature that we connect with, and move through each month for changes within ourselves, as well as when we choose to write spells and perform magic. 
For us, the three nights of the dark nights of the moon have an introspective energy, while the night of the new moon is that point which marks starting something new like projects or changes. The 14 days of the waxing moon are a period of increasing energy which can draw things into our lives that we need. The three nights of the full moon are full of manifesting energy, which makes them one of the strongest times for magical workings, which we frequently match with astrological energy for our workings. Finally, the 14 nights of the waning moon are a period of decreasing energy, which can assist us in removing things from our lives that no longer serve us in some way. Also, while the time frame makes for a consistent cycle of distinct energies, each moon is somewhat different depending on when it occurs throughout the year. We have solar increasing and decreasing energy. We have lunar increasing and decreasing energy. So it's almost like a cycle within a cycle. I'm right there with you, but I just, as a kind of a side note, I don't want to give us off track already, but the increasing and de decreasing of the moon's phase that we're going to talk about tonight. I should point out what we call increasing is increasing lit part of moon, decreasing not lit part of moon, because there's a positive and a negative or a light and the dark in there that I just want to make sure the language doesn't trip us up on. I think so. Because I can, I can use um, the darkest time of the moon to do shadow work things like that. So I just want to acknowledge that there is a dark part and a light part, even though we're usually going to talk about the measure of the light part. I think so. That's a good way to describe it. You know, and, and we we have, we'll talk about that next week, specifically what we do with the dark nights of the moon. Because we oh, excellent. celebrate that specific time frame. We made a conscious decision to work with that because very often... Various practices say, oh, my God, you can't do anything on the dark nights of the moon. You can't do magic. You should just, you know, kind of shut down and just don't do anything. And we were like, why? <laughs> Who said? But that's just kind of our, you know, kicking the authority. Well, and little I love that you deconstructed it and rebuilt it based on, you know, where we live and what we observe and the, the seasonal stuff and whatnot that we share here. Um, but I, I got to tell you, reading through the book, I got a little bit thrown on the, the five types or the, the five periods or whatever of the moon. So I was going to ask, and I know you did like nights of the dark moon or whatever you and, and Susie, but I never really understood the whole five points. So could you <clears throat> kind of walk me through how that would line up with what I'm traditionally considering, which is full moon, last quarter, new moon, first quarter. Okay. For us, all right, we'll start with the dark nights of the moon, because for us, we kind of considered, for want of a better word, when we're talking about it, the beginning point of the cycle. How's that? And it's a, okay. it's a three-day period where you don't seem to, the moon is there. It's just in shadow. It works. It's not visible in right. our sky. Or and, to the converse, it's full of dark. Yeah, it's full of dark, okay? And yep. it's a three-day period. 
and you have the actual day where it is the dark night of the moon is that second, right in the middle of day. All okay. Right. So if you go dark moon, then the very next day is technically the start of waxing energy. We don't perceive it yet because True. Yeah. it's very similar to winter solstice. It's the day of the greatest dark energy, but it is also the beginning of the return of the light. So it starts our light half of the year. So this is this is almost what I know as the sliver moon. Yes, exactly. That's that new moon. It's just barely. There's a spark or a little crack, and okay, something's happening. Yes, and that is the beginning of the waxing period, because you like that word of time. Okay. Yeah. Um, period. And I, and I get that it waxes all the way through first quarter and up to and approaching the full moon. Right, exactly. And that's a period. And, of- I, and I, I'm completely aligned with you do lots of growing or building those kind of magics on that side of the cycle, so to speak. If you want to draw things to you, this is a good time to do that. Increase, yep. You want increased patience. This is a good time to do magic for increasing your patience because the light that you see is increasing. Now you get to the period of the full moon, which is actually that three days, where if you go out for those three days, you can't see that the moon is not completely full with our naked eyes. An astronomer will tell you that the day before the full, the first date day of that three-day period is actually the end of waxing because it's almost completely full. The rate of waxing is approaching zero. Yes, absolutely. And then you have full moon. Now that next day, the moon still appears in the sky as full. If you go out there and look at it, still looks full, but it started that period of the waning moon. Okay. In the past, I've referred to that myself as the fuzzy moon. (laughs) It's the the day after the full moon when the, in in our case and in our seasons, the right-hand side starts to lose some of its crisp definition because you know it's shadow starting. Exactly. Exactly. And now you go all the way through the three-quarter moon, you know, the, the, the decreasing. Which is all the waning period. All the waning period all the way back around to the dark times of the moon. And that day before the full dark is actually the end of the waning. Of the waning. Okay. Which is why if you read this and you actually do a count, you have 34 days. But there's some overlap in there of what... Well, yeah, you're overlapping a day at both ends, at both ends. So there's four (laughs) <laughs> so yeah. now you're down to 30 days and 29 and a half. So exactly. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Oh, good. Yeah. I, Cause I, yeah, the, the, the first time I did the math, I was like, okay, this is going to be a tough sell here, Elizabeth. But <laughs> now, now that I understand both the overlap and for me, and I don't know if there's anybody else out there, but I have always had what I call the full moon and then a fuzzy moon, which means I'm a night late. Mm-hmm. But I've always done my full moon rituals on either the night before, the night of, or the night after. Exactly. And the same thing with my new moon rituals or my 
dark nights of the moon rituals now that I learned from Susie. It's you know, pretty much anything in my world is subject to plus or minus one on the calendar because by God, the, 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 the head of my universe is okay with that. Yes, and so are we when you think about it. Yeah. It looks the same in the sky, damn it. So the energy we interpret as the same. So can I can I imply, and I don't mean to go against the book because that's certainly not what I'm about. No. Um, but I can almost imply that it's actually six, not five, if you consider that many people celebrate a three-day festival around a full moon as well. Sure, why not? So there's kind of a an unspoken full side to the three dark nights of the moon ritual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. You, you can interpret it however you want. We just tend to mark that. Sue and I had been discussing that maybe it's actually six because you have that little sliver of new moon and then you have that little sliver of, okay, it's about to be dark. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or be six. So there's lots of ways to look at it. The point is, though, you have all of this available energy, and acknowledge it, and embrace it, and work with it, however you choose to do so. And one of the best well, and, ways to start is just watch the moon every night. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've been practicing myself. And and like we mentioned in the 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 talk we had earlier about esbats. You know, I am coming, I'm going to come away from this much more aware that, hey, Dave, there's a moon state every night, not just on those four cardinal points that you're used to reserving all your moon work for. Yeah, exactly. And and, and it, it's very freeing because have you ever noticed there are times you plan to work magic on a full moon and the world of the mundane... <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I missed it because, you know, I'm in the emergency room because the kid fell off the bike kind of thing. And then so, so stuck with the idea it has to be full moon that they don't do it or they wait a month when they don't have to. Yeah, no, that 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 to me would be a bit extreme. Um, but. It's funny that you bring or you mention it that way because on the full moon, if I can at least glance out the window at the moon once and acknowledge that I saw the full moon, then if I do the ritual two nights later, it's okay. It's still valid for me. Even if I have to peek out the window of the emergency room to see the moon, you know? <laughs> no, I understand completely, but there are people who. I don't want to say are rigid, but have been taught sure. that that's how this works. And yeah, and it's so much more of a cycle than a, a clicker. Yes, exactly. And like we said, that, that whole moon thing, it is a continuous cycle. Sure. And it's much shorter term, which is why most witches don't do magic per se, at like Sabbaths and Equinoxes or the cross quarters or whatever, because or you can, but you, it takes the results take longer. If that's more well, and those are more of a celebration as opposed to a working. 
at least to me, they are. Exactly. And they're, they're more of a festival of Beltane than, you know, I'm going to do some super serious magic on Beltane. Exactly. And I think, too, you are more likely to get results you can see when you work with lunar magic, lunar energy for magic. You can do magic during like a solstice or an equinox, but it tends to be for something that is going to take a long time to manifest. Well, yeah, that's long-term subtle things. Sure, absolutely. Moon magic tends to be, okay, I need this, or I need to get rid of this now. Not six months from now at the next solstice kind of thing. So we are more like... Not for nothing, we could we could follow this analog um, right along the progression and say there's no reason that we can't leverage the different times of the day. Oh, please, there people- you know, and do do you know year or seasonal, but then monthly, but then daily, even. So, um, I love the sort of uh, recursive idea there or uh, fractal, the idea that you can do it in larger terms or smaller terms pretty much as far as you can define. Um, That just has a real beauty to it to me. But that's, you know, that's just the science geek in me. Well, there's also um, the planetary hours where if you need to use a particular planet's energy for magic, they follow a pattern over a 24-hour cycle so that you could actually match your magic to, say, noon on Tuesday because a certain planet's correspond, what you're trying to, the energy you're trying to work with or the, what you're trying to manifest or get rid of corresponds to that planetary energy. So you can literally do it any hour of the day. Sure, and leverage whatever the conditions are in the heavens, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, we don't because we're not that complicated. We don't want to make it that complicated. Magic is supposed to be practical and not easy, but not so complicated that you get caught up in the doing of it as opposed to what you're trying to accomplish. Right. And then you're not going to manifest whatever you need to manifest because you've lost your focus and your intent and everything else because you're bogged down with it has to be done at this time and when, with this weather and everything else. So that's, you know, that I, I tell people so often during the day, you know, to, to, to make it simple and, and, you know, it's not the color of the candle. It's the energy that we put into the flame. It's our intention. It's us. That's the magic. It really is. It's us. I'm just learning now how to manage it better and understand the energies that I'm working with. Um, and that's part of why I, why I I love being part of the path and kind of learning my way through this from, you know, the very background that I have, because so much of this resonates with me. It, it makes sense that I was um, so connected and so close with you and Susie while you were developing this, you know. And, and like you say, it's the energies that we work with. And I think that's the real focus of the practice of the path is learning what these energies are, how they show up, how they manifest in essence for each of us, because everybody experiences them differently. And 
how they can assist us in making our lives better. Well, yeah. and and just like her her artwork and obviously your writing, at the end of the day, it's how can I work with the energy of the moment? And so you're energy workers. I mean, you could you could legitimately say that we are all energy workers. Mm-hmm. It's just some of us have, have developed a deeper understanding of the work that we're doing, and some of us just still have those lessons to learn. Okay, well, we all have lessons to learn. Come on. <laughs> yep. You know, I sit here and talk to you, and it clarifies it for me sometimes, my own beliefs and how I think about the energies when I have to explain it to somebody else so they understand it. That's a, that's a very common thing. You know, if you can teach it, you know it. Yeah. And it kind of gives me that bedrock certainty that this is my path and it's okay. I'm starting to have just little glimpses of that experience. Um, not to digress too far, but I've been sort of tentatively sticking my toe in the water, so to speak, of doing little mini readings for people at the store with the, the Witchstone Oracle cards. Um, you know, I'm, I'm shy. I'm nervous. I haven't done readings for people, even though I've looked at tarot for years, but Every time I do it, I'm doing it well, and I'm getting great feedback. So more and more of it feels like what I meant to do. And uh, I don't know. I guess I just needed to bubble about that for a minute. Well, think about it. Positive reinforcement is always a wonderful thing in that sense. And it's it's not that, you know, peck the kid on the head and give him a cookie. It's what you're saying resonates somewhere in somebody's soul. Sure. And that's 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 awesome. It's 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 a confirmation that what you are doing works. Yeah, it's the most basic level. It works. Yeah, and it's making a difference for people, and that's all you can ask for. And how blessed am I that I actually get to work both of my jobs, my day job at a metaphysical store, and my night job at Two Young Crones. Both jobs are exactly what my life's calling has finally resolved itself to be. Yeah, it's kind of neat, isn't it? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna say goodnight on that one. Oh, I think we should. But just, just to sum it up, moon magic is great. Moon energy is great. When you can combine them, that's fine. But you don't have to. But. At least take time tonight, maybe to go out and look and see where the moon is in the sky. And and remind yourself, like Dave's going to remind himself, that it's available all the time, not just four days a month. Exactly. Witch stones are a divination tool we created as part of our practice that deals with what we call concrete stones, specific types and times of energy, and conceptual stones. Things and Ideas About Witchcraft, which can be read with either a seen or an unseen meaning. Recently, we have developed a set of oracle cards using this information. We would like to introduce you to one of these stones right now. In today's Witchstone Spotlight, we'll be looking at the stone card for The Void. Concept stone cards focus on an aspect of the craft 
rather than a specific physical energy, and they detail the causal relationship of action and result, echoing the ideas of as above, so below, and as below, so above. The void stone card is the fourth of eight mental concept stone cards of the Witchstone Oracle that relate to the energy of thoughts or processes. It displays a pictograph of a black spiral that circles outward from the center, surrounded by a white and black border. The border being split white over black tells us that this is a concept stone card. The border being white over black, or air over earth, tells us that this card represents a mental concept. The word void often conjures up images of empty space, but those of us on the path view it as a vital part of the universe itself. It is not nothing or the absence of something, but the void which is full of space itself. We picture it not as an opposite of the divine, which is visible creation, but the source of creation itself. After all, Many creation mythologies start out with light emerging from the darkness, which is the source of dreams and magic. The void is liminal, but not limited. Spaces waiting to be filled with the creations of the divine. So the energy is completely receptive. It is constantly expanding as it receives, but it does not need to project anything because it is the very vessel for the divine to create within. As it is receptive, its energy is associated with the dark half of the year. The void represents thoughts and ideas when reflecting on the element of air. The void represents personal development when reflecting on the element of earth. The scene energy for the void stone card in a reading is the space between absence of answers and not meant to know. The space between is a descriptor for the void, and it is a reminder that sometimes you may need to make space for creation in your life. Absence of answers may mean that there is no answer to your question right now. Not meant to know may mean that you're not meant to find an answer to your question, because sometimes there just are no answers. The unseen energy for the void stone card in a reading is the space between beyond understanding and accept your humanity. The space between is a descriptor again for the void and it is a reminder that sometimes you need to just sit in the darkness in your space and contemplate your future creations. Beyond understanding may mean that sometimes you won't find any answers to a question because it is beyond your understanding for now, or maybe even for always. And accept your humanity may mean you need to work to accept that you are human and that there will always be questions without answers in all of our lives. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better, because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. 
Today's tip, trick, or witchy hint starts off with a very important statement. You are the magic. In other words, you don't need correspondences or fancy tools or costumes or practicing only by the light of the full moon in order to be magical or to perform spells and rituals because you are the magic. Now, big rituals are great opportunities for developing our spirituality and magical awareness. Things like Sabbaths and Espats and all of that. And we often feel energized and especially magical after participating in one of these experiences. There's a couple of problems in only relying on this sort of thing for your spirituality. First, you can't do this every day or all the time because we have regular life that gets in the way. We have responsibilities, school, work, children, making sure the house is clean. And secondly, you can't, you can't hold on to that energy forever. It dissipates over time. However, you can benefit from adding small daily practices to your life that can serve as reminders that each of us is the magic. Daily practices do not have to be large and complex. They don't even have to take a long time. So without further ado, here are five small suggestions for remembering that you are the magic. In other words, daily practices, things you could try out for yourself. Number one, set your intent for the day when you get up by lighting a small candle each morning and stating what magical things you need or that you're planning to work on. Number two, Go for a walk. Connecting with the natural world around you is part of being a witch. After all, we are considered a nature religion. Even if you live and work in an urban environment, you would be surprised how much of the natural world is hanging out. I can attest to this because I almost ran over a woodchuck in the middle of a busy street this morning in my car coming back from dropping off children. Number three, read and study something a little bit each day. Most of us have an e-reader or an app on our phone where we can read an actual book. Pick some topic that relates to your own practice and commit to reading for a certain number of minutes every day. This is something you can do on your lunch break or while you're waiting in line at the drive-thru for coffee. Number four, put a small something doesn't matter what it is, like a stone or a crystal, a feather, whatever, in your personal workspace or you spend, where you spend a great deal of time at home as a reminder that you are the magic. Very often we get bogged down in the mundane and need that something we can see and or touch to change our focus, even if it's just for a few minutes. And feel free to change that out periodically. Don't get stuck with the one crystal on your desk because you haven't bothered to see if that's still what you need. And finally, number five, write down five things you are grateful for. They don't have to be large or complex, just things you can come up with easily, if that's how it works for you. I don't know. I rejoice every morning when I open the refrigerator and there's milk for coffee. Being aware that our needs are being met by the universe helps us generate a more positive, magical, and mundane mindset. So as you can see, these five small suggestions don't take long, but they're great ways to remember that you are the magic. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday, but you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two, young crones. 
You can also find us on social media such as Facebook and Twitter. Until then, Until then remember, remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedgewalkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. We are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So, so it be. be.